Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. One of the great texts of the Bible is found in Matthew chapter 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What a great text that tells us as we live by faith, as we trust God and seek him first, put him first in our lives, allow him to be the Lord of our life, that he will not only be near and dear to us, but will also meet our needs. And so this week I trust that we'll put our faith and trust in him and in him alone. This is the radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Mano Paul, who's a missionary from India, and uh, he's been with our ministry for many, many years. For about eight or nine years, he was in Belize, and Mano had a wonderful uh, medical ministry there, he and his wife, Shoba. But also they had a, a wonderful ministry as they, they travel from place to place as itinerant evangelists and Bible teachers. And today I'd like to ask Mano about those uh, opportunities. Mano, why don't you tell us, uh, first of all, about uh, the opportunities that you've had to go to the Mayan Indians and to minister to them spiritually. Thank you, Brian. Belize is a small country, but there are different ethnic groups, especially the natives. There are basically three main ethnic groups, the Mayans, the Yucatans, and also the Kichi. So I had the privilege of going and ministering in two different uh, uh, these ethnic churches. One is entirely Mayan and the other is a mixture of uh, both Mayan and Kechi people. 
Uh, I used to go a Saturday morning to this uh, Mayan church in a place called Red Bank. It's almost like an outreach uh, for our church in Independence where we used to live. And God has given me the privilege of uh, preaching and teaching the word of God to those Mayan people. And there is one more village, Baya Vista, where there are a lot of both Kechis and the Mayans. I used to preach in English and it was being translated into Spanish language by those Kechi people because that was common for them. In this place also, especially in a family, there were three brothers, they were fighting and they were not on talking terms. And God has really helped me somehow that these three brothers, the fellow who came to throw the stones at us, he just stood outside after listening to the word of God. He came weeping and he reconciled with his brothers. I really praise the Lord for this incident that happened. And I used to go every Wednesday to this place. And also there is one more village. This is entirely Spanish-speaking people from Honduras, from Guatemala. They come to this village to work in those banana farms. I used to go every Thursday evening to a very big church. At least 200 people used to worship in this church. And the Spanish-speaking pastor was so fond of me. And every Thursday I used to go and I used to preach there. Though I was in Belize, we had... God has really opened many doors for us to preach the word, share the experiences, what the Lord has, was teaching us with different brothers. And you were doing this all the while while you are doing um, medical clinics uh, through the daytime. So you kept yourself very, very busy while you were down there. Yeah, actually every, I mean, it was church for us every evening. So Monday to Sunday, every evening I used to be in some church or other and I really enjoyed and most of these villages are just around 20 kilometers from Independence. So uh, in the evening, it was easy for me to go and spend some time with them and come back. Sometimes Pastor Pish used to accompany me and sometimes I used to take uh, either Leon or Charles with me. It was wonderful time going with these brothers and uh, spending time with other brothers. Yes, you had a wonderful ministry there. It's just really uh, nice to hear hear how the Lord had led you down there. Now you're uh, back in India. Could you tell us about the ministry that you have uh, since you returned back to India? In fact, there was no need for us to go back to India, but somehow we wanted to go back because things were becoming more rough in India. And we thought it is better for us to really be with our own folks as they are going through difficulties. You must have heard about many un unfortunate incidents that have happening in India. So we went back. Basically, we went back to India to work among the medical students, young medical graduates in India to help them to really live for the Lord and also give them a challenge for the missions in India and even in the surrounding countries. So that's the reason why we went to India and we work among uh, the medical students. We have 50 medical schools in our state and we go to different medical schools. We teach them the word. We teach them what the Lord has taught us and help them to live for the Lord and also give them a challenge so that they can go to any mission hospitals. Most of the mission hospitals in India, which were started 50 years back, 100 years back, are almost on the verge of closure. Many are already closed down and we really want these Indian medical graduates take the challenge and be there. So you're trying to revive Christians to do medical and, and through the medical they're able to share their faith and then also to try to disciple people sort of like what you and Shoba have done most of your lives. Exactly. Because a physician is always a welcome guest in any culture, any community. So we thought 
Christian doctors are the best evangelists if they really want to be. So that's what we want to tell our friends. Yeah, we found that to be true too. We found that, that medicine always opens doors for the gospel. If you go and help people physically, then they're open to listen to you spiritually. And we've seen so many people come to Christ. And we've seen so many churches around the world started because of medical ministries, because people come to Christ, you gather them together, and then uh, you have a, a church. And, and God's able to disciple the people, and they're able to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very, very wonderful to have you in our, our studio, Mano. We thank you so much for your commitment to the Lord. We thank you for your godly character. We thank you for the way the Lord has guided and directed you over the years. And we thank you so much for the open doors that you have and the way that you're so willing to to share the gospel and to help others to, to grow in their faith and to be uh, mighty warriors for the Lord. May the Lord bless Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate all those who continue to listen and continue to write in and support our ministry because this is a listener-supported ministry and we need the donations to continue on the air. Appreciate those of you who are praying for us and are helping us to continue this broadcast, which now goes around the world. We're having people from Africa and other places that are listening to these broadcasts and coming to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This uh, month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Forgiveness, Freedom to Let Go. It's, this is by June Hunt. It answers lots of questions. Some of the questions that it deals with are as follows. It deals with an unforgiveness in your heart. It helps you to protect your heart from bitterness. It helps to end the blame game. And it also helps us to pray for those who hurt you and hurt me. And uh, that's an important thing for us. And it's all about relationships uh, and how we can overcome and how we can live a Christ-centered life throughout each day of our lives. This book will uh, answer a lot of your questions. It'll help you. It's got practical helps so that you can um, work through various issues about how you can forgive others for the hurt and pain that they brought to you. And I, I highly recommend it to you if you're hurting and if you have some hatred or some bitterness in your heart, this booklet can really help you. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Sometimes hallelujah, sometimes praise the Lord, sometimes gently singing our hearts in one accord. Sometimes
today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, Faith Once Delivered. I know the Lord will bless you as you listen to this wonderful God-inspired message. Printed copies are available upon request. May I introduce the subject of this talk today by directing your attention to three passages of Scripture. As I read them, please note their common theme. Leviticus 17:11. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Hebrews 9:22. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. First Peter 1:18 and 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see at once that the common theme of these passages is the role of shed blood in resolving the problem of sin. The doctrine of blood atonement is the cardinal truth I want to examine with you today we continue our review of the highlights of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Thus far we've dealt with two key doctrines of that faith once delivered. The first was the verbal inspiration and divine preservation of the scriptures, and the second was the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope there remains no doubt in your mind concerning either of these fundamental truths. Despite the many years since the original word, perfect written word of God was given to mankind through holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, despite the efforts of ungodly men to discredit and destroy it, despite its professed friends who want to revise and rewrite it, we still have in our possession a word-perfect Bible that is in very truth the verbally inspired, divinely preserved, infallible and inerrant word of God. As far as the preserved text in the English language is concerned, the overwhelming weight of evidence points to the King James translation of 1611 as the text possessing all the hallmarks of both divine inspiration and divine preservation. We commend it to you without apology or reservation. The doctrine of the deity and sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ likewise is an established and irrefutable fact. Christ was not merely a unique man, a great religious teacher, whose life and teachings changed the course of history. Christ was God incarnate in human flesh. He took on the form of a man to become our substitute sin-bearer, pay the penalty for our sins in our place that we might receive God's forgiveness and receive from him the priceless gift of eternal life. Since there is for us no hope of salvation except through him, our individual relationship with him is the most important matter in life for each of us. That's why we're so anxious to help you realize what this means to you personally. To urge you to receive Christ into your life as your personal Savior and Sovereign Lord. 
May I now ask you to consider the significance of the manner of Christ's death for your sins and why that manner of death was necessary to afford you an opportunity to obtain forgiveness of eternal life by receiving him as your Savior. First, the significance of him being put to death on a cross or as it was sometimes called, a tree. Remember, we were all under the curse which sin brought on the entire human race. When Christ was lifted up on the cross, that curse was transferred from us to him. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ's acceptance of that transferred curse was symbolized by his voluntary submission to execution on a cross or tree. But of even, even greater significance was something that happened at the time of his death. Jewish law prohibited a dead body being left in view on the Sabbath day, which began at sundown. As the fateful day of execution wore on for Christ and the two thieves crucified with him, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, beginning at verse 31, says, The Jews, therefore, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. When they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith there came out blood and water. There came out blood. In the passages of Scripture I read earlier, God makes it clear that sins can be atoned for only by the shedding of blood and that without shedding of blood is no remission. God made this fact clear to his people Israel by including in his law given to Moses on Mount Sinai detailed instructions concerning the role of shed blood in seeking remission of and cleansing from sin. Let me read again Leviticus 17.11 where God said to Israel, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. When God gave Moses instructions regarding the tabernacle, which would be God's abode in the midst of his people during their wilderness journey, he directed him to divide it into two parts. The one part was to be the sanctuary, wherein was placed the golden candlestick, and the table overlaid with gold on which the showbread was placed. Then, separated from the sanctuary by a blue and purple and scarlet veil of fine twined linen, was the second area known as the Holy of Holies. In it was the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, and the cherubims with their outstretched wings overshadowing the mercy seat. It was into this Holy of Holies that the high priest of Israel went once each year, bearing the blood of atonement to make atonement for the sins of the people. It was not that the shed blood of animals of sacrifice had any atoning efficacy in itself. 
It was accepted by God in anticipation of the day when Jesus Christ, the divine Lamb of God, would offer his blood in atonement for the sins of all mankind on the cross. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Hebrews, chapter 9, speaks of Christ as our great high priest of good things to come, and says in verse 12 that not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He goes on to say in verses 13 and 14, If the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It is significant that the first blood ever shed on this earth was shed for the remission of sin. When God slew the animals to make coats of skins to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve after their fall. That scarlet thread of blood shed for the remission of sins runs throughout the entire Bible, reaching its apex when Christ's blood was shed on the cross for the sins of the world culminating in the great redemption song that will be sung by the redeemed saints in glory as foretold in Revelation 5, 9, which reads, They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The passage I read from Leviticus 17.11 gives a further insight into why the shedding of Christ's blood was necessary for the remission of our sins. It says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The shedding of Christ's blood of atonement was therefore the literal pouring out of his divine life for the redemption of mankind. Surely this gives us a deeper understanding of the reality and the seriousness of the problem of sin. Sin which we today are prone to treat so lightly is not only the root cause of all our human problems, but is so serious in itself that nothing less than the pouring out of Christ's divine life in the blood of his cross could save us from its eternal consequences and free us from its deadly power. In the light of this solemn truth, how terribly misguided are those who regard sin merely as human error, not really of any serious consequence. Such misconception is reflected in their perception of Jesus Christ and the significance of his life and crucifixion. They regard him merely as a great religious teacher whose precepts still have value in our 20th century search for solutions to our individual and collective problems. They regard his death as the martyrdom of a good man whose teachings offended the religious and political leaders of his day. How terribly far short of the true such perceptions are. The facts are that sin, which is any violation of the perfect will of God, has alienated all mankind from him. Under the eternal laws of absolute and divine justice, every sin carries an inevitable penalty. 
For that reason, all from the least to the greatest are guilty and under condemnation. What is more, we're helpless to recover ourselves from our seemingly hopeless state. I say seemingly because while humanly speaking, our recovery is impossible, a door of opportunity is open before us through the love and mercy of God. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ to purchase our redemption. To that end, he not only took our sins into his own sinless body and died as a substitute sin-bearer in our stead, but he met the eternal requirement of divine justice that without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. On the cross, when the Roman soldier's spear pierced his side, Christ's divine blood of atonement flowed out. And the atoning efficacy of that shed blood is what makes possible the remission of our sins. The old hymn expresses it so well. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. That same blood of atonement provides daily cleansing from sin's defilement for those who put their trust in Christ and experience the realism of being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Speaking to those who have been so redeemed, the Apostle John says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Prior to the night that ended ancient Israel's bondage in Egypt, the angel of death passed through the land. God told the Israelites to sprinkle blood on the doorposts and lintels of their homes, and said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. In the homes where blood was not sprinkled, the angel of death took the life of the firstborn of each family. No matter how sinful and deserving of sin certain judgment we may be, we need fear no concern once we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Redeemer and put ourselves under the shelter of his blood shed for the remission of our sins. For God says to you in his word as he said to the Israelites of old, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. If you availed yourself of that shelter made available to you at the cost of Christ's shed blood, let me close with those familiar words from Romans 5, 6-9. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure, for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more... I trust the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you and that you can apply some of the principles to your life this, this uh, week. Pray that God would continue to draw you close. Thank you so much for the privilege of sharing these words with you each week. We trust that through these messages that you'll be drawn closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
allow him to be the Lord of our life. This month we're offering the booklet entitled Forgiveness, The Freedom to Let Go. Highly recommend this book by June Hunt. And you can write to get a free copy of this book at Canada's National Bible Hour at Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also uh, hear past messages on our website at missiongo.org. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. We also have a uh, Christian radio broadcast in, entitled MGO Radio on our ministry site as well. You can get that at missiongo-radio.org. It's 24-7. There's lots of good messages on that broadcast as well as good Christian music. And also, if you want to get our app on your smartphone, you can get it at media at missiongo.org. And you can download that. Sermons, you can hear good Christian music 24-7. It's amazing now our outreach has gone around the world. We're getting letters from Africa and other places growing through our ministry. And so we're really thankful for those opportunities. We ask you to continue to pray for us. And uh, we ask that you write in and get this booklet, Forgiveness, the Freedom to uh, Let Go. We trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this week. And don't forget to send in a, a gift to try to help us to continue all these ministries on the airways where where Christ is using these broadcasts for his honor and for his glory. May the Lord bless you and keep you in a mighty way throughout this next week.